Uh, welcome to the first show of Jazz Heads. Uh, we're going to talk to people who love their music and we're going to ask them to play tunes that they think everyone should hear. We're starting with Wakefield Jazz and we're going to be speaking to people who organise the club, musicians, uh, people who come to the club who've been into jazz for a long time. And we're starting with Bernie Wilde, who has been a jazz drummer for around 60 years, played with Pete King, Keith Tippett, Guy Barker, Alan Skidmore, done hundreds of gigs and has come to the jazz club and been a key part of Wakefield Jazz since it set up in 1987. So, Bernie, you've picked 10 tracks that you think everyone in the world should hear. Uh, why these 10? Well, and they're all American. Uh, well, apart from a couple, but uh, the majority are American because I, f I think it's the only American art form and um, it's always captured my imagination. Uh, my first track I'm going to um, record is early uh, Louis Armstrong, Chicago, 1923. Um, and it's, it's in the King Oliver Band, who was his mentor when he was in New Orleans. But um, Armstrong followed him to Chicago and joined his band. And, uh, and amongst the band was um, his first wife, uh, which was Lil Harding. And um, the number that they're going to play is Chimes Blues. Thank you. 
So, Bernie, that was 1923, mm-hmm. Chicago. And uh, where would that music have been played? Who would have heard that? At the, well, the people of Chicago, obviously. And then they, they used to play on the riverboats um, in, down in New Orleans. And um, they were, it was dance music. It really wasn't uh, seen as uh, concert music yet. It, t- it took a while for them to... Uh, to, to develop into playing in concerts because it was sheer dance music. Great. So, uh, right, we're going to skip all the way through the 1930s, past the Second World War to 1949. Uh, and what's the next track you've got for us? It's Charlie Parker's Bebop. I, I couldn't do anything without the hamstrung and I couldn't do anything without Charlie Parker. The two main... Uh, protagonists in in the uh, in the world of jazz. Um, Charlie just revolutionised music as they knew it. Was, I mean, along the way, he he got a lot of uh, bad publicity as, and from jazz musicians. You know, not everybody liked it, but he stuck at it and uh, influenced the world, basically. World of jazz, that is. Um, yeah, Charlie Parker, one of the greats. And why this particular track? Well, the the movement he developed was called bebop, and this number is called bebop, and I think you can understand why when you hear the um, the rhythms and uh, the the way it carries on. And what makes bebop so different from what came before? Um, well, a lot of it was faster, a lot faster, and uh, a lot more in- intriguing with the um, the chord sequences and uh, and so on and so forth. But um, uh, in amongst bebop uh, came um, sort of people like Thelonious Monk, who, uh, well, there were there there were leaving barrel house piano playing and coming into modern jazz um, but still keeping the, the early stuff as well as the later stuff Thelonious's piano playing is intriguing it's just 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 wonderful <laughs> Thank you. 
So now we're moving into the 1950s, and you've picked a track from Sonny Rawlins called I'm an Old Cow Hand. <laughs> so, um, firstly, why Sonny Rawlins, and why have you picked this particular track? Well, why Sonny Rawlins? Because um, Sonny is probably one of the great improvisers. He um, never seems to be out of ideas. He's just endless um, stream of ideas and and such humour as well and pathos. But uh, he um, uh, this particular track, the the whole album is called um, Way Out West, and it's with. Ray Brown on bass and Shelley Mann on drums, and it was recorded round about three o'clock in the morning right. after they'd all been playing somewhere else. I think it was done on probably one or two takes, and um, it's it's just phenomenal. Uh, Ray Brown and uh, Shelley Mann had been on the uh, set of uh, Cool Hand Luke recording the uh, the background music. Uh, that was with uh, Paul Newman. And and it, the reason I picked um, I'm an cow hand is because Sonny Rollins had a, a knack of picking obscure numbers, take, for instance, on Mother Kelly's doorstep, and making them sound fantastic. Uh, and I'm an cow hand is such a queasy... Uh, anti-art piece of music <laughs> but it sounds fantastic the way their their interpretation so here we are i'm an old cow hand Thank you. 
So, the next track you've got for us, Bernie, is a hard bop track. Uh, we had a couple of tracks ago, a bebop track, so two, we've fast-forwarded two decades. What's the difference between the two? Well, hard bop uh, sort of came into existence through um, a, a record label called Blue Note, um, I mean, it was probably being played before, but it, it was definitely um, more blues and gospel feel to it, like um, uh, Horace Silver, um, Art Blakey, um, Johnny Griffin, and and all these monster people who were fantastic players, and um, <clears throat> they uh, and. The people who ran Blue Note were just absolutely wonderful. There were two Jewish guys from uh, Berlin who had to get out yeah. when the, uh, the Nazis started taking over and revolutionised jazz as we know it. And they, they seemed to know straight away what they were looking for because they went for all the great black players and uh, people like Bobby Timmons... Hank Mobley and um, Kenya Dorham, all these wonderful players mm -hmm. of that time. But yes, and, and the, the, the tune I've picked for, uh, for this is, of course, Art Blakey, one of my favourite players. And, and it's called Free For All. And just listen to the power of, of the, uh, the drums. He, he was on fire that day.
Well, that was a that was a real blast, and uh, now we've got something quite different, which is Bill Evans, uh, who was the pianist on Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. Uh, what style is Bill Evans? Well, it's a modal style and a very classically orientated in certain a bit. He's sort of is uh, a bit like Debussy, you know. He's uh, just beautiful. Um, chord sequences and uh, and runs and uh, he revolutionised uh, trio playing uh, where he gave just as much time to the bass player and the drummer as he did to himself so it opened a whole new area for uh, improvisation and for creativity seen as the bass player was Scott LaFaro and the drummer was uh, Paul Mochin uh, two Wonderful improvisers, um, unfortunately, one to die very young and the other to just keep going. And um, I think Paul died two years ago, I'm not too certain, mm-hmm. but he, he was great. And um, it, it, his, his playing was just so captivating and so beautifully put together. And he picked such lovely tunes to play. Uh, to play on uh, and a, a lot of them were by the great American songbook you know the writers um, and you've picked How Deep Is The Ocean mm. uh, is that an example of it uh, is it is yes uh, just the the subtlety of it all and um, it's, it's just wonderful Thank you. 
Lovely. So uh, now, Bernie, we've um, we've got Archie Shep that you've uh, chosen for us. This is now 1968, avant-garde, uh, adventurous playing. Uh, Archie Shep exploring the limitations of of the tenor sax. Um, but there's a it's a really revolutionary time, um, well across Western Europe, uh, and particularly in in America. What was it that what's the environment like? that Archie Shep was responding to? Well, he was uh, more than involved with the uh, the Black Panther movement. Uh, he uh, was uh, with a, a, gr- a group of players that uh, were searching for, for recognition more than any- anything. Uh, I mean, there were people like... Um, well, Malcolm X was wasn't a musician, but he was part of that scene. And uh, then the Albert Eiler, the famous tenor sax player, who unfortunately was—I um, don't know whether it's been proved—but uh, I think he was murdered by the state uh, and found in the—I think it was the River Hudson, uh, which was a, a shame. I've got a couple of Albert Eiler albums. But I haven't picked one today. <laughs> but um, I uh, just find Archie Shep's music and his approach, it's so exhilarating. And the beginning of this tune that I picked, this track, it's just wonderful. It's um, um, Ron Carter comes in with this wonderful bass pattern. And on the same track as uh, Roy Haynes, who, just as a matter of interest, is still alive, still playing, and he's over 85. Wonderful man. Great drummer. Bye. 
That was such, such a powerful track. <laughs> and uh, now on O'Burner, you're going to take us forward one year for the next track, which is the great Miles Davis. And uh, now this is before Bitches Brew. Could you tell us what was happening? Well, the, the, this album is called uh, In a Silent Way, and things were changing. People were getting interested in... Well, the world was interested in the, uh, the Beatles for a start-off, and uh, sort of British rock was coming in, and there were certain influences within this uh, album, uh, the likes of uh, John McLaughlin, who is uh, a local lad. He comes from Doncaster, and um, having gone over to play with with Miles Davis, and uh, also uh, the piano player, uh, the, I think he was on piano and organ, was uh, an Austrian man called Joseph Zavanel. And um, uh, this was like a meeting of the spirits, uh, Chick Corea, um, Herbie Hancock, uh, Wayne Shorter, and out of this particular recording, as well as Bitches Brew, which we you mentioned, um, at least four bands came out of it. Lifetime was probably started, but um, certainly we uh, Weather Report, Mahavishnu Orchestra, Headhunters, and Return to Forever, uh, all with a... In, well, a sort of leaning towards uh, jazz rock, funk. Because at that time, nobody called it jazz rock. It was more or less named on the day, really. You know, people started uh, taking notice of these uh, these influential rock and roll bands that were... Uh, I think it was Jerry Mulligan, the great baritone sax player, that said, if you can't beat them, join them. And he... he <laughs> made an album of uh, nothing else but the Beatles numbers. So, there we are. And uh, so what should we listen for in this track? The track you've picked is uh, In a Silent Way. Well, it was written by uh, Joe Zawinul, and uh, it was dedicated to his grandfather, who was a shepherd in the Austrian mountains. And you can almost feel, you know, the... Isolation. It's just a lovely tune. Beautiful tune. Thank you. 
So, uh, Bernie, you said that uh, In a Silent Way was a foundation for a, a number of number of bands, and one of them was the Mahavishnu Orchestra, which is the group that you've picked next. Um, this is two years later. Uh, the influence of rock and rock musicians and jazz musicians influ influencing each other and playing together. Uh, we're really starting to see that now. Um, so why have you picked this particular band? Well, I've always uh, enjoyed uh, John McLaughlin's playing, sometimes more than others, but um, uh, he, I was lucky enough to see this band when they first came over um, in... It must have been just after that, about 1973, at uh, in a concert hall in Manchester, and uh, they they were just they were just knocked me out. They were just so wonderful. The drummer was very outstanding. I mean, I must say that. But uh, uh, it was Billy Cobham, and uh, the the keyboard player was good. And so uh, that was Jan Jan Hammer and uh, Jerry Goodman on electric violin. And in fact, they were all good. Here's the, the bass player um, I used to see down at uh, Ronnie Scott's when in the early days, in the 60s, when he was resident bass player there. And uh, that's the reason I, I picked this. I just find that the music was um, stimulating and, uh, and extremely exciting for the time. Wonderful. Is there anything in particular that we should listen out for? Just the way it's constructed, the way it's put together. It's it's almost abstract, but yet it's all together. You know, it's... Uh, uh, making your mind up, really.
So we're now one year later, 1972, and uh, the amazing weather report. Um, I know, Bernie, that you spent three consecutive nights in Ronnie Scott's um, with weather report. Tell us about it. Well, I've been persuaded to go down. Um, I, uh, Brian Layton, who was uh, in charge of uh, the, the jazz composition at um, Leeds College of Music, he's, he said, you must hear this band. I'd never heard them before I went down. And I went down with uh, Tony Faulkner's uh, brother, Stu, who was a student at the college. On, he played tenor sax. And... Um, <clears throat> They absolutely floored me. I'd never heard anything like them. <laughs> and, uh, I, um, I think the, the, the lineup was uh, Wayne Shorter, um, Joe Zawinul, of course, um, uh, Mirislav Vitus on bass, Eric Gravat on drums, and uh, Dom Un Ramau on percussion. And that was the original lineup, mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden we realised they were going to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And then Jaco Pastorius came on the scene. Everything changed. They went into stadiums, and uh, with a great influence. And it was just the the writing of Joe Zawinul and uh, Wayne Shorter. They were, they were genius. I think Joe Zawinul was the electronic genius um, out of two or three piano players that, you know like Chick Corea um, Herbie Hancock um, and he had it he was comfortable with the electronics more than the others they were all good but he he seemed to have it and uh, I've picked a tune uh, from the I sing the Body Electric uh, band, which is the band I saw at Ronnie's. And, uh, well, see what you think. It's, I think it's wonderful.
So, uh, we're coming up to our last track, Bernie, um, but before I ask you what it is, um, it would be great to hear a little bit about Wakefield Jazz, because I know it's gained a real reputation, not just in Yorkshire or in the UK, but uh, from musicians worldwide. Um, perhaps you could just tell us a bit about it. Well, it, it seems to be such a... An a relaxing place for musicians to uh, uh, to come. They always f- feel at ease when um, we give them plenty of time to uh, to set up. Even if they're late, we, there's no hassle, um, and very rare they're late um, because they like to get there and and um, have a sound check. And we always give them a meal beforehand. Uh, which is nice if you've come up from London or uh, down from Newcastle or Edinburgh. So, uh, but uh, we've had quite a few American players and and Scandinavian players as well. But the one person who sort of uh, comes to mind is a wonderful vibes player called Joe Locke, and um, he came with uh, Tim Garland and uh, Jeff Keezer, the American piano player, uh, trio. <clears throat> and uh, halfway through his set, or the set, he uh, he got to the microphone and he said, I've just got to say one thing. He said, I've very rarely played in a, a, a better jazz club where people are listening to every single note played. He said, thank you for that. Uh, because... Some of the clubs in New York are pretty poor at listening. Um, and uh, so, you know, with people of that uh, nature and, and people of that quality come out with a statement like that, it makes you feel proud of the little club we've got in Wakefield. And what's the atmosphere like? Well, it's the people seem to listen really closely at, um, at what's happening I mean sometimes they can be critical but uh, uh, with Chris our uh, booker he's been so good that he's uh, uh, quite 
very rarely do we have to question the uh, the musicians that are coming, <laughs> you know, because he's uh, he's hit it right on the on the head, uh, uh, perfect, and uh, so we've got to be thankful for that as well. And what sort of um, jazz musicians come? Is it is there a big range, or does it tend to be a particular jazz style? Oh no, it's a big range. You, I mean, we've got um, in our new program the first uh, band is called Malaysia and it's um, saxophone piano and double bass the next one is Jeff Williams quartet from New York he's a drummer from New York and that's a pianoless quartet with two saxophones and are these all different styles of jazz? oh completely different what sort? give me an example Um, well the, uh, the the first one will be very Danish orientated, Norwegian orientated. Um, Jeff Williams will be d- uh, American jazz orientated. Brass jaw is just four saxophones. <laughs> so uh, it, they're of such a, a, a variety that uh, they're they're all interesting. If you like music, you like. Most of the bands, I think, anyway. <laughs> Great. So, what's um, tell us about your last track, Bernie? Right, this is um, a band called The Bad Plus. It's a, a trio, but a modern trio. It's, uh, this was recorded in 2004. I've seen them three or four times, and I've always enjoyed their enthusiasm, their different way of playing, their. Uh, they're just so interesting, and I think you really like this track. I won't go on about it. And it's called? Playing a strip for the higher self-state line. <laughs> <laughs> 